probably did hate Mayo. And we thought it was hate at the time because these guys are trying to take away our dreams. The Football Pod live. Thursday, June 2nd in Castle Bar. Check out otbsports.com forward slash events and get your tickets now. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette for an effortless finish to your day. New Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. This is News Talk. Now then, you're welcome along. So Monday evening, a lot of sport happening out there, it's fair to say. West Ham, inspired by Mark Nolan, or Mark Noble, excuse me, uh, <laughs> bring an extra uh, free son of focus to the final day of the season. My mate Mark Nolan's going to laugh at that when he hears that, uh, by the way. I thought you were getting confused between Kevin Nolan and Mark Noble, no. two West Ham stalwarts. No. Oh, it's going to be a funny moment in my world. Uh, that's not to mention an extraordinary penalty shootout in the FA Cup football uh, final football show on the way after nine o'clock. Eddie Brennan, uh, talking hurling, Cork bounced back. Uh, Waterford suddenly staring down the precipice. We'll talk to Eddie half past seven. Meanwhile, Leinster dished out a rugby lesson to Toulouse on Saturday. That's according to Ugo Mala, the Toulouse coach. Matt Williams, Jerry Thornley will be talking. Leinster, Raj, La Rochelle. 53106, the text number. We're at off the ball on Twitter. Mick McCarthy, as you've heard, is here in studio. Hello. Hey, Joe. And Amory Donnan. Hello. Hi, Joe. So uh, I saw Dave Gorman in the Irish Times was picking through the European rugby community's reaction to Leinster, Le Figaro, a lesson in rugby. Toulouse swept away. Johnny Sexton, rust-proof. Slightly clunky way of putting it, but fair enough. Uh, we get the deal. Le Keep, in comparison to Leinster, the Toulouse attack seemed telegraphed. And like I said, Ugo Mala said, Leinster's speed was quite remarkable. We've taken a real rugby lesson today. Yeah, that's actually what jumped out at me watching the game was... And look, I have to say, I, I was trying to think, have I seen that much of Leinster in full flow in recent times? And not really is the answer because, you know, you know, there's a lot of kind of... There's a lot of Leinster teams that can go out there on any given week and they can win and they can do the job. So they don't, you don't actually see them at full flow all that often. Yeah. And I was just thinking about how... How it's exactly that word. Everything is just done at such speed. There was a point even in like you were thinking of it at the rook and the commentary team were talking about it, about how quick they were recycling the ball. And I think they, they even had like the the number of you know their average amount of seconds at the rook. It was a phenomenal number. I don't point five seconds, Mick. Was 1. that what it was? 5. Yeah, yeah. Impossible um, for any defensive line to get set with that. Oh, unbelievable. But then I even noticed as they're talking about this, there was a kick to the corner at one point. And as like Toulouse are sort of ambling up to the line out and waiting for the Leinster call, mm. Kelleher just threw the ball in. Yeah. And it was like, oh, here we go again. And it's just, I can only imagine the exhaustion of defending against them. I just thought they were absolutely phenomenal to weekend. You've talked on the show a few times about, like, it's almost hard to analyse Leinster because they're so good and we kind of know what we're talking about them, what we're going to talk about when it comes to them, that it's just like top level, top level, what, where's the interest? Well, the interest was they went to a new level again, I thought, at the weekend. Yeah, agree. It was interesting on your point about Toulouse looking wrecked. Alan Quillen suggested a few weeks back Toulouse aren't fit seems to be the word coming from Toulouse but that notwithstanding Ugo Mala was also he's pretty open afterwards in fairness the Toulouse coach he was saying in the top 14 average ball and playtime is 32 minutes against Leinster and against top European competition it's closer to 40 Yeah. so they were breathing heavy for it's sure. A, it's also fair to point out that it's the middle of May at the end of a long season and they played an extra time game that went to penalties yeah. a week before yeah, away wrecked. from home against Munster as well. Yeah they were wrecked uh, the Tyke Furlong skip pass definitely generated a lot of love on Twitter and then I was in Virgin yesterday and Rob Carney was like you know that's his bad hand <laughs> what? he's always bad side there he's a lefty like, you're joking oh my god he very much is I think the commentator used the line he's an out half trapped in a props body 
Yeah, well, hopefully he's going to be there for the final because he's phenomenal. You know, two or three minutes later, there was a, uh, like, uh, you know, I think it was, uh, so obviously the weird thing about <laughs> Skip Troy is that obviously DuPont got a try from, <laughs> from it uh, directly. But a couple of minutes later, Leinster were on one of their many attacks and Furlong just set things wide open with a little pop pass in behind, completely no look. Something that you don't see tight head props doing, but it has become so normal for someone like Tyke Furlong that I don't think it was even mentioned in commentary. And it was phenomenal. It was one of those like little moves that if Sexton did it, you know, who you would expect, it'd be like, oh, Sexton, look at the way he does that. No other out half in World Rugby could compete with him. Furlong just does it. No bother. Yeah, oh, it's, it's what we expect to see from Tyke. He's a freak of nature. So Jerry Thornley, Matt Williams on the way after eight o'clock. Anne-Marie, what rocked your boat over the weekend? Um, yeah, there was a good bit. Um, I suppose Liverpool on Saturday, mm. the FA Cup, and then the fact that the title race is back on. I think a lot of people, a lot of Liverpool fans had accepted last week that it was probably over and then it was maybe just get through the FA Cup final and then get through the last two Premier League games without injuries and get to Paris and try and up a level again for Paris. But how Liverpool are still going, like we'll hear from Jurgen Klopp in a minute, it's a bit scary. Like I think after the uh, Champions League final, they'll have fulfilled 67 fixtures is it like that's pretty scary I know and you think 120 minutes emotionally draining you're playing Southampton at St Mary's tomorrow yeah I was surprised on Saturday in those first 10-15 minutes how up for it they were I didn't know if they'd be able to bring it to that level Mm. the penalty shootout was very interesting in that it looked very good for Liverpool and then there's the man I miss and then Chelsea score and suddenly Liverpool have the pressure of you now have to score Mm -hmm. to stay in it which is never a good thing and definitely I think statistically seems to lead to more misses as well when you're taking a kick to stay in it in sudden death the extra pressure tends to be very difficult to cope with. So the way like Tuchel celebrated and Chelsea celebrated, I thought, well... Yeah, Chelsea, you kind of got the impression, oh, it maybe turned. it's their day. Oh, it turned yeah. big time, yeah. yeah. And I just, I had a feeling when um, Mane went up to take it that he wasn't going to get it. Like it would be the third um, penalty shoot that, that he'd win that year with the winning uh, kick. I had a feeling that he wouldn't. Did you notice Alison? Someone pointed this out to me. I didn't notice it. But did you notice Alison specifically handed the ball to the Liverpool yeah. players yeah so because uh, Mendy has form uh, to possibly uh, spook players out yeah I thought that was clever and so much is being made as well so what was Alison doing to counter Mendy by handing him the ball does so Men- Mendy not giving them the chance to have eye contact and a little word yeah and like so Mendy couldn't speak to Liverpool players oh so does Mendy walk up to yeah, it, penalty takers and say he did something? that in the Africa Cup of Nations right so he'd go up to them and he'd be like, I defy you, go to my left. So then they're like, "Is he? Go- will I go to his left? Will I go to his right? They freak out. Okay. I love if you would say, I defy you. I mean, that's the kind of formal, <laughs> the formal uh, sledging that footballers are renowned for. But I just thought it was clever of Alison, you know. I just thought it was another, like penalty shootouts, you could spend days and days analysing them. And everyone's talking about how Klopp's preparation was better because he seemed more organised and it was good vibes in their huddle beforehand whereas opposed to Chelsea it kind of looked a bit frantic but if you turn that on its head and Chelsea win the penalty shootout you'd say Klopp was too relaxed Tuchel took it more seriously like you can't prepare for who's going to be still on the pitch you know Salah's off well he was going to be one of our penalty takers so it's all last minute stuff the the Mane uh, Mendy stuff though is 
beyond ridiculous at this stage when you think of like you know Senegal winning two penalty shootouts to qualify for the World Cup and to win the African Cup of Nations them coming up against each other in two cup finals in the same year both of them going to penalties yeah. Mane obviously missing that one that could have been more defined like Mendy would have won the I don't know whether it's you know their teammates in two they're against each other in two like this is a short season where this has all happened it's and bananas Mendy said Sadio I defy you to go to my left Sane, you know you know how I like to save my penalties I know how you, I know how you like to take yours let the best man win I did notice Alisson I wasn't sure what he was doing I guess I just thought it was a little bit of love and positive reinforcement and best no I think there was more behind it yeah okay interesting so yeah they're at St Mary's tomorrow I do feel it does really feel like it's hard to imagine Man City slipping up at this stage but who knows who knows so we'll talk uh, football between 9 and 10 close enough to it yesterday true true and they've got Steven Gerrard yeah Defensively, Senior. they're a touch suspect. Like yeah, even they the, are. The Jared yeah, Jared Bone will look at that. Yeah, Jared Bone goals weren't City being torn apart. They were fairly simple goals, like very well timed run, admittedly, but just a little dink over the top. So there is an injury crisis there in the City defence. I suppose you'd imagine there'll be goals in that game, that City Villa game. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, as a Villa fan, I have to say though, you'd imagine those goals would be for Man City. But <laughs> we should get started. So Eddie Brennan's going to join us, by the way. Uh, this hour, we'll be talking to you. Anthony Moyles was on OTBAM this morning. Did not enjoy his Crow Park experience. No. Like, no. really did not enjoy it. He was there with his two daughters, who he had really cajoled into going on the basis that there will be a hot dog in this for you and <laughs> there is a chance. Hey, listen, we've all been bribed as kids in that respect. I was like, so it makes a lot of sense. Uh, and, you know, Mead will maybe put it up to Dublin, who knows? And uh, so Mead didn't put it up to Dublin. Nope. That was one aspect of this. And then even Anthony Moyles was saying, there was no food in Crow Park. There was no hot food. There weren't even ice creams. I think by the end of the Kildare match, it was just empty. Shutters down, basically. Are they just not expecting a crowd? I don't know what it was, actually. 32,000. I don't think 32,000 was unforeseeable. Yeah, no, I don't think... you can't walk up to Crow Park anymore. Like, it's all online. So, like, they should have known the size of the crowd that was coming. Yeah, Strange. so, like... They seem to just run out very quickly, and it is. I think it it speaks to an overall. What the hell were those two games doing in Crow Park yesterday? Yeah. Mm. Nobody wanted them there. It seemed. I, I definitely felt like it took away from the atmosphere, took away from the occasion. I think, and they weren't even on TV, and there was just a sense of these Leinster semi-finals being a waste of time in a way. And then you go, and it's like this empty, soulless Crow Park, and people can't even enjoy themselves there. You know, it's that. That's. Um, I think that that emphasises everything that's been wrong with the entire occasion that you know you couldn't even get yourself a burger or a hot dog <laughs> yeah. or an ice cream how could you not have ice creams yeah. there was no sense watching it on TV of missing out no no I wasn't jealous compared to Ennis I suppose which is the polar opposite tight ground 18,000 yeah. I mean Kildare allowed you or Derry Monaghan like Kildare allowed no business being Crow Park you know? no and me Dublin shouldn't have been there either I mean it is just uh I don't think Dublin fans even want that there anymore. Like, you know, you go to the hill and it's great and it's a procession as opposed to like a day out and go and like, you you know, they'll be going to Croker another three times Mm. or four times the Leinster final as well, you know, more than likely this year. Mm. I think they'd take a trip to Port Leash or even to Navin. Wouldn't that have been great? I think as well, in such a dead atmosphere, it's hard for players to really ride emotion or adrenaline and produce their best stuff. It's just so dead when you're at those games. We've all had the Croquet Park experience of double header, yeah. 20, 30,000. And so at least half the crowd aren't that interested in one of the games. And it just has that kind of funeral atmosphere. Yeah. So. A long day. And then Mead, 
didn't show up. The game's over after 10 minutes. You know, it seemed to me that the game was over after 10 minutes, even just checking the scores. Yeah. And you're like, okay, <laughs> another, another hour and a half to go here before we get to go home. It's funny. I was talking to somebody at the game who doesn't usually go along to double headers all that often and from Kildare. And there's a 45 minute gap between full time and the start of the second match. And so he and his mates, I don't know if it was because there was no hot food, actually, but they just said, oh, well, let's nip out and get something to eat and kill the 45 minutes and then weren't let back in. So obviously that's a big thing. I mean, I, I guess you can't really quibble with that too much. But so they went out, got a quick bite to eat, came back for the throw in in Dublin Mead and the guy doing admittance said, oh, no, you can't go back in. Yeah. And they were like, oh, but it's on our email. Come on, it's because we made a mistake. Sorry, we didn't realise. It's like, no, no, you can't get in. So they didn't even get to see Dublin Mead. <laughs> they, didn't buy, they didn't buy two more tickets, no? <laughs> no, they didn't somehow. They didn't. So I've done that in the go. past though, with a double header that was more for the social occasion and to meet the lads and so yeah. on. And went. To, I remember it was a Dublin double header, so they were playing in the hurling. That was a, a cracker. And you're outside and you're chatting away afterwards. And it was Dublin were playing Longford. And there was just this sense of going back in was just going to take away from what we had. Mm. And we just went down to Gills. <laughs> sort of had the match on and just decided not to bother with Dublin and Longford and you know I'm not, I'm not going to say I've lived to regret it mm. Well thankfully your two mates didn't go after Dublin Mead and then not get back in for the Kildare game It's one small positive like it wasn't flipped around Sorry yes I know what you mean now <laughs> Yeah yeah Somebody says I used to work in Croker the food is in the back this is Sarah sometimes this feels, I don't know, I will, we'll take this as a, uh, <laughs> this is a theory as opposed to a definite truth. So Sarah says, sometimes they just can't be arsed putting on more food because half it doesn't get sold once the second game gets into the second half. I don't know if that's true. I don't know what the reasons uh, were. Hi folks, regarding food in Crow Park, could the lack of food be down to staffing issues, says Brian. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we're hearing about staffing issues across uh, hospitality sector, perhaps. I don't know. But there we go. That was Anthony Moses. Experience this morning. It's worth a, a look back, if nothing else, just because of how thoroughly fed up he was with the entire day. I think it cost him 90 quid as well. You couldn't buy uh, children's tickets unless it was in the Davin. Mm. That's wrong. Yeah, I for thought a game that as not, well. For a game that's not going to be a sellout. See, I do sort of think with the GA, I, I mean, the ticket pricing, I don't understand why the organisation doesn't aspire to have the cheapest tickets in world sport, which are the envy the envy of world sport. Like when you think of Bundesliga clubs, which are run so brilliantly for obvious reasons, and they make a point of suppressing ticket prices because the game is for the fans. Like the whole point of this is for people to come and community get together and for us to uh, enjoy the sport and come together and, and play sport. And you would think of any sport in the world, the GAA, where we don't have to pay the players and therefore the, the overheads are not all that large in comparison with every other sport. The ticket prices should be the envy of the world. Mm. There should be pieces on All Ireland Finals saying, look at this huge spectacle. It's it's the centrepiece of their sporting calendar. Tickets are 30 euro. Why not? Yeah. And would you not maybe get 60,000 people in there instead of 32 yeah, as well for well, a I, game like that? You I mean, know, And maybe put on a bit of a show and something. And it's not, it's not always like, you know, Brush Shields has to perform in between the two games or something like that. But why not, But something, you know what I mean? And it doesn't always have to be musical. Just some kind of, like, yeah. atmosphere or some some sort of 
spectacle that people can just get involved in and children can enjoy and the children's point is like oh let's let's put all the children down the Davin yeah, end and it's like rubbish. and that's because we know that some people will want to watch the game from the Hogan and pay a little bit more for it not when it's not going to be a sellout what's the reason no. for it yeah uh, yeah because I mean look if you take Anthony Moses again I keep quoting Anthony Moses liberally here you can watch it but he was saying I mean 90 quid and not a great experience overall. Not helped by the game, admittedly. There's only so much the GA can do about Mead's performance. But I don't think I didn't get the impression his uh, two kids are saying, "God, wow, I'm hooked on that. Let's go back." You know, so that's a slight worry for the GA as well. Ninety quid without having to pay for any seven euro burgers either. Yeah, he said the punnet of chips was a fiver. <laughs> the league final was a twenty. Yeah, he used the word punnet. I thought it was. <laughs> The league final in 2016 was a sellout and a lot of people attributed that to the 1916-2016 celebration mm. bit that they had at halftime. Yeah, a bit so of pageantry. Like I think in terms, good. yeah, of entertainment, like bringing something else into it. Yeah. But like All-Ireland final day, like any other country, like the pageantry is so much better than ours. Like ours is useless. Yeah. I've thought that so many times with the, the 25 years thing. That should be such a class thing, a video package of mm. all these guys and stuff. Instead, they just kind of like get called out. The yeah. right half forward on that team was so yeah. and so, and they come out and they give a small wave. If you're in the Cusick stand, you haven't a clue what's going on. They're tiny, facing yeah. the other way. There's not. They're kind of on the big screen. You can kind of only half hear it. There's no cell. You don't even remember what team it is. A little video package. It would cost. Yeah. <laughs> it would cost one day's work for a freelance videographer. I remember the 2017 Hurling All-Ireland. They had a really nice tribute to um, Tony Keady at halftime, a video package. And like the majority of people stayed in their seats and watched it. Like if you had, now I know that was obviously to commemorate his death, but if you had something every year, like a video package like mm. that, it would add to the day. Yeah. No, it's not great, you know. Um, like all we have is the parade. Like the parade's great. Yeah. But like, come on, give us something. It's very like 1990s technology build up. There's a parade. <laughs> lads walk onto the pitch and wave. Like we'll do, and it's, it's never changing. No. Yeah, it's all true. I mean, you add all that up. It's not a great spectacle, is it? And 45 minutes between the games. I mean, that's a lot of boredom there. Uh, we should get on because clock's against us here. The news round is brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. So, Anne-Marie, take it away. Arsenal can go back into the final Champions League qualification place tonight, Joe. They'll go fourth in the Premier League should they beat Newcastle at St. James's Park. Mikel Arteta's side come into this off the back of that 3-0 loss to Tottenham in last week's London derby. The hosts, meanwhile, lost their last two games, but they were, in fairness, against Liverpool and Manchester City. Kickoff is at eight o'clock. Meanwhile, the first of the championship playoff finalists will be confirmed later on. Huddersfield Town take on Luton Town. That's in the second leg of their semi-final with that tie nicely poised at one all. That kicks off at 7.45. And here at home, there's football as well. It's fourth versus fifth in the SSE Airtricity League First Division tonight. That's as Longford Town are away to Treaty United. That's also underway at a quarter to eight. Very good. Updates across the evening. Jake Daniels. Yeah, Blackpool teenager Jake Daniels says he hopes that Premier League players will follow his lead after he became the first current British footballer in the professional men's game to come out as gay. The 17-year-old striker says he now feels happier and more like himself. Daniels recently made his senior debut for the championship club and here is their safeguarding officer, Will Cowell. 
Well, prior to Christmas, uh, there was a, a couple of month period where he was, he was really struggling. Um, we wanted to help him. We, we couldn't help him because we couldn't put a finger on what, we, what the issue was. He was still competing at a, a good standard. He was playing week in, week out really well. However, we found after Christmas and, and um, after he's come out as being gay, he's, his performances have just gone through the roof. He's, he's excelled and, and him, uh, Jake himself commented to me that it's a massive relief that he's not had to lie and you know he's not having to lie he's got a, an outlet where he can talk to myself and some of the other staff members and, and he's felt that that's taken a huge weight off him and, and he's able to express himself on the pitch yeah good on him it's it's uh, just by coincidence i was at an event with gareth thomas on friday and he was talking about the weight the secrecy around his sexuality had on him and it was mm. um horrific like really horrific and so it's fantastic here Jake Daniels it's I mean there's a, there's a bravery to this because I suppose nobody can be full sure what reaction he'll receive yeah. in stadiums and given that we see racist abuse to this day in stadiums I don't think those types of people will necessarily have LGBT uh, Q rights on some kind of pedestal where some won't throw some abuse I think in the main fingers crossed it will be a very positive reaction but it's really commendable and you wish him well in some respects as well also I think we're all slightly queasy yeah, giving this story too much prominence you know uh, public figure is gay is yeah. uh, it feels a, like a big moment but it shouldn't feel so correct. big yeah, yeah sport lags behind society on this front yes. uh, still and so you just really wish him well but yeah it, it's exactly what I was thinking I in some ways I don't want this to be a story mm. but it is and as you say, a weight lifted off someone like Gareth Thomas talking about it. This guy's 17. He's got his whole career ahead of him. Yeah. Going through that with such secrecy. Like, I'm so happy for him that yeah. he's gone and done this now. And it's, it's, it's great to see. And I just hope that, like, we've been waiting for this. It's come in other sports. We've been waiting for it in football, in English football especially, for so long now. Mm. It has to open some floodgates because this is... He's obviously not the only one. This is something that is just weighing on so many players in so many dressing rooms. And hopefully it is all positive reaction and it does lead to a few players just becoming... And look, it doesn't have to be in public. Just even just to their own mates and in the dressing room that they're not just living with this secrecy hanging over them. It shouldn't be a story, but it is a story because he's the first one to do it since Justin Fashioning. Boxing, Amory? Yeah, and two Irish fighters secured medals at the Women's World Boxing Championship today, which is taking place in Istanbul. Dundalk's Amy Broadhurst, who's a light welterweight, and Roscommon lightweight Lisa O'Rourke both won their quarterfinals on unanimous decisions, meaning that they will come home with at least a bronze medal. Those semifinals take place on Wednesday. Eamon and Kildare, atmosphere in Crow Park brutal yesterday. Young lads behind me were more interested in West Ham City. And first they were 2 0 down, it was a big deal. <laughs> I know. Uh, then what was going on in front of them, poor fare on the pitch in an awful atmosphere. But yeah, no, I take the point. Why do the GA persist with it, by the way? What's the with logic? The, the Crow Park doubleheader? Yeah. So it's always been there, so it takes, a, it, it takes a change. A lot of people are saying, look, Crow Park doesn't have that many days out in, over the course of the year. You know, you've got the, the two Leinster finals, yeah. maybe the football quarterfinals, and then the semi finals. Is there a season ticket issue that could be going on there? I'm not sure. I think it's more to do with maybe, you know, Crow Park's back up and running here. Mm. COVID is over. Or is there a, a degree of lots of these players aspire to play in Crow Park? Therefore, like Loud, for instance, 
give them their day in Crow Park, give the players their day in Crow Park. Is that part of it? Yeah, well, Loud aren't there. You know, I don't think there's, uh, like, you know, of the four teams that were there, this was only decided after the draw was made. It was only confirmed that it was going to be in Crow Park then. So, of the four teams there, maybe Westmead could, you know, be in that bracket. But I don't think Westmead would have been, uh, I think Westmead would have been in a much better position in a provincial venue. And I guess... uh, are players not these days thinking more about what's our best chance? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that. You know, you do hear players saying that. You know, you hear sometimes we can talk about this a lot and then you hear from camps and they're like, oh, we were delighted to play in Croker. That, yeah. You know, you do hear that. On the Crow Park is back point. Mm. No, That's, it's no hot dogs. Sure, no, no. no. Well, I, yeah, I don't, think, I don't think it quite worked out that way and I think that's predictable for a lot of us. But I guess, you know, we have this stadium. There is... There's definitely a counter-argument to be made about using it. Sure. Um, sure. I'm not the one making that argument, but I can see why it might be made. Yeah, no, that's fair. So Mo Salah, Van Dijk, both off injured on Saturday. Yeah, they'll face late fitness tests ahead of Liverpool's Premier League game at Southampton tomorrow. The pair were both forced off through injury, as you say, Joe, in Saturday's FA Cup final win over Chelsea. If Jurgen Klopp's side lose to Southampton, the title will be Manchester City. After tomorrow's game, Liverpool will play again on Sunday. That's the last game of the season. And then just six days later in the Champions League final in Paris, Klopp says that perhaps more consideration could be put into their schedule. There were two more match days in this week, obviously. We played Saturday and it was possible that we play 120 minutes. And they thought the best day for us to play the next game is the Tuesday. So you could have given us the Wednesday, theoretically. I think that's not possible for your European League final. Sorry? It's the Europa League. Yeah, so now the UEFA, my friends. So, um, (laughs) and then Thursday maybe, or can we not play on Thursday? Could we? Ah, we could have played. So then we would have played on Thursday a 90-minute game and on Sunday, which is the last match day, which is a normal rhythm from European, when you play European League, you play Thursday, Sunday. But all of a sudden, nobody thought we, we could give uh, them a day more rest. So that's now the whole time like this. And you, I have to sit here and say it. And other people say, and he's, well, when does he stop whining, stuff like this? Because nobody else is doing it. You all don't think about it for a second. It's just, oh, it's tougher. Well, maybe it would have been better if you play on Thursday. Yeah, it would have been slightly better. So 120 minutes and then Tuesday. Come on. That's really massive. So we will see. But again, I can't wait to play the game. Now, it's, now we know where we play. I can't wait to play the game tomorrow. I'm really excited about it. And the boys who will start the game they will go with all they have to make it happen. I mean, he's not wrong about that. Yeah, he's right, but nobody apart from Liverpool fans are going to feel sorry for him. No, of course. And actually, I mean, it's less of an issue in this country because we just don't have uh, fans going to game after game after game for obvious reasons, I think. But also, it's such... If you were based in Liverpool or you're you're a fan over there, like, what a slap in the face that on a Tuesday night you're playing Southampton away. Best of luck getting home, everyone. It basically just means you can't go to the game without staying over. Mm. It's poor, you know. I think Liverpool fans would would travel through the night to to watch how, them at this okay, point of the season. If they have to, if they no, can't, they'll go back. If they on, can't drive, how do they get home? They'll go back on coaches. There's coaches organised that'll bring them from the city down you know to the ground and straight back up. Well, that's the only way to do it, though. Like, but that's again, why not put the Southampton game on a Saturday? Like Southampton, Liverpool, like when? those games. When would you do it? At another point in the season. Yeah, but. It, but Liverpool are playing in every weekend because they got to the final of all I the cups and they're the weeks that It's not free. a new thing. Like, you go back any number of seasons and you'll have 
Newcastle playing someone the other end of the country. But what on he a seems Wednesday particularly night. annoyed about is that they put it on the Tuesday as opposed to the Thursday. Oh yeah, sorry. So he that feels point like I'm the with. victim. There. I'm just talking yeah. generally, just to exacerbate the situation. Like if you were in the UK to have Liverpool against Southampton on a weeknight. Is rubbish. Yeah. yeah, but I think Liverpool fans at the moment are happy to watch them whenever. John, uh, I, I, I wouldn't think they're happy to do it. They'll do it because they have to do it and because the games are so big. But like, it's always been just such a slap in the face, I think, for fans, this John, kind of scheduling. John Giles was on with us on Thursday talking about the 1972 Cup final, the one that Leeds won. Yeah. And it was ruined for them a little bit. Not ruined, but taken away from the fact that they had to play on a Monday night in the league. Yeah. Mm. And straight afterwards, oh. lost or drew, whatever, and Derby won the title. It's mad to think that not that much has changed yeah. in 50 years. Yeah. That Liverpool have to go on the Tuesday night to play now as well. So we should mention Talchin Cup, I suppose. Yeah, and the draw for the Talchin Cup, the first ever Talchin Cup draw took place today. Wexford will play Offaly in the Southern Section preliminary round. Wicklow then were pitted against Waterford this morning and the winners of those matches will meet in the first round proper. Elsewhere then in the Southern Section, it's Carlo against Tipperary and Leash against Westmeath. While in the Northern Section first round, Cavan will play down Longford have a home tie with Fermanagh to prepare for. London will travel to Sligo and Leitrim will welcome Antrim to Carrick and Shannon. Those preliminary round ties are scheduled to take place next weekend with the first round of matches the following week. What's your sense of how this is going to fare? I don't know until it happens. I think the north and south thing and it coming, them changing their mind or changing the rules, changing the parameters uh, while the season was already on doesn't bode well for the big fare that the Talton Cup is supposed to get. Um, but look how it goes. I don't know. I think, I think we'll have to wait and see a couple of rounds in. I don't think we'll know after round one. I don't think, almost like round one of the qualifiers in many yeah. ways, I don't think many people are going to pay too much attention. The changing weekend. of the kind of setup is making people already lose confidence. Absolutely. And it that's worrying, is. you know, like fans or supporters are finding things out through Twitter that we didn't know last week. And it's like, what's coming next? Like, imagine the All-Ireland series, like being yeah. changed at a like during the season. You can't even contemplate it. So it feels a little bit like this is thrown together. Yeah. If that's not too harsh. No, I don't think it is. Wasn't Tommaso Shea on AM? Yeah, he's yeah. not too Last happy. week and... They weren't even sure were they a North team or a South team. And, and the New York nice. thing. So New Join York. On. Yeah. What's that about? I suppose try not to drag them over for too many rounds. Is that the logic? Who knows? Paid them and drag them <laughs> pay for them to be dragged over but it's over. frustrating for other counties like we don't ha- but that's what I mean we don't have an explanation mm. we haven't been provided with it we were just told New York would get a buy yeah. why? Yeah, I don't know. Well, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, it's a suitably negative tone for us to finish the newsroom. <laughs> we just we just see here we complain. There was great hurling at the weekend, though. Yeah, I know. Well, we're about to talk to the, about that <laughs> with uh, Eddie Brennan in just a moment. Amory Donnelly McCarthy, thanks, thanks guys. Joe. Cheers. Cheers.